0: farming program with Araquip Steel Stockholders with Industrial Estate Grantham
1: supplying the region for over 40 years.
2: There are changes to the rules that could impact you if you abstract water for your land.
1: Those who abstract larger volumes or abstract in a catchment of restricted water availability could see their charges increase.
2: Morrisons are hiring cattle finishers. Diesel prices are sky high, increasing the risk of theft. What can we do to prevent that? And we'll look at a novel way of treating rapeseed to enable better establishment.
3: The germination process is started by adding water and eat units to the seed Start that germination process and it is then stopped and held when all seeds are at the exact point where they need to be.
2: And of course, there's crop, livestock, and grain market reports and the weather for the week ahead. The week in agriculture.
3: This is the farming program with Steve Orchard
2: Good morning and a very happy Easter On that subject, Canon Alan Robson agricultural chaplain has a seasonal message for us later I'm Steve Orchard, hope you've had a good week The price of both red and white diesel has rocketed in the last few months as I'm sure you know Farm stocks are being targeted by thieves around the country, Chief Inspector Phil Vickers from Lincolnshire Police joins us today, although it's not been too bad in this area Phil Uh, Good morning, is there any advice you could give as, as to how we can prevent this happening to us?
4: Yeah, there is. And, and it kind of depends on the on the personal circumstances of, of where the vehicle or where the diesel is being stored. So uh, we would always give advice around defensive parking. So not leaving the, a vehicle where you've got a significant volume of diesel open and, and obvious on display, if you like, to, to any passing people. Um, effective lighting and CCTV, particularly for farmyards, I mean, that, that's always good practice anyway there are security products there are things that you can buy that will protect uh, heating fuel tanks and and diesel fuel tanks on vehicles and and they're worth exploring particularly things like anti-siphoning devices things that, that stop people dipping into the tank and, and taking those more broadly there is advice on the force website so um, everybody's got a, a slightly different take on on what their circumstances are and, and I'd recommend that you take a look on the on the police website um, and there's guidance on there as well but the best advice is always be vigilant you know if, if you see something that's not quite right whether it's uh, your farm your yard your parking area um, or or maybe a neighbor's then then call it in and and we're always happy to 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 respond to that kind of information um, and and check these things out and and far better to to have checked it out than to wish that we had done
2: i suppose common sense things like locks on tanks and not just locks on tanks but locks on gates leading up to the tanks
4: yeah, I mean, more broadly, site security is is always an issue, particularly in remote rural locations. Technology's moved on leaps and bounds over recent years. Tracking devices are, are becoming cheaper, more economical for, for people to install. So that kind of thing, using the technology, um, is, is always sound advice.
2: And if you are affected, please do report it. The more the police know, the better their chances of sorting it. Thanks to Phil Vickers from Lincolnshire Police. From diesel to water now, if you abstract water for use on the farm, the charging regime is about to change. NFU Water Resources Specialist Kelly Hewson-Fisher, morning. What's changing?
1: So, as far as I'm aware, the current scheme has been in place since 1993, and apparently the charges have not been fundamentally changed in the last 10 years. The charges that are collected are used to allocate and enable management of water by the Environment Agency. So, within the last 10 years... cost and work required to manage water resources has increased. So the change is that this new scheme is a move to a cost recovery charging scheme that includes charges based on a service provided. So for example those who abstract larger volumes or abstract in a catchment of restricted water availability could see their charges increase.
2: I've seen comments that there will be winners and losers in this new scheme, is that right?
1: I think that's a fair statement, Steve, and I think that's correct. There will be minimal change for most. But as you say, there will be some outliers there that that need to have a look at the tool that the Environment Agency has provided, where you can enter your details and actually calculate what those charges are going to be. So that's on the gov.uk website. So you can go on there, input your information, and you can get a picture of what your annual charges are going to be going forward.
2: What about things like using surface water? Is that affected?
1: All abstraction comes into this. So surface water, groundwater, it all comes into this um, new abstraction regime.
2: And where's the best place to go for more information on this?
1: I would go to the gov.uk website. Um, there is some really good information there. I'm at the moment trawling my way through the 166-page document that's being produced. Oh, good grief. Um, But there is a water resources charge indicator tool, which actually looks quite handy um, little bit of kit that, as I say, you can input your information into there and have a look at what your annual charges are likely to be.
2: When does this all come into effect then, Kelly?
1: This came into effect as of the 1st of April. The other point to note as well is due to the ongoing work to move these licences into the new charging regime, customers may receive their annual bill later than usual. So that's just a good point to note that if you're looking to receive your annual bill anytime soon, it's anticipated from the Environment Agency that those bills will come out nearer to the summer. Okay,
2: lovely. Thank you. Kelly Hewson-Fisher, National Water Resources Specialist at the NFU. Thanks,
3: Steve. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with
2: Steve Orchard. Now, we all know that British farmers produce the best and most sustainable beef in the world. And to shout about it, the Great British Beef Week returns next week, the brainchild of Ladies in Beef. It'll feature promotions, special menus and events with the theme of environmental sustainability – and is raising funds for the RABI. Details online at ladiesinbeef.org.uk. Time for some Easter agronomy advice from our crop doctor Sean Sparling now. Good morning. A
5: rather different Easter from last year, weatherwise, eh Sean? Yes, yeah, very good morning to you, Steve. Yeah, and as ever, looking at what you did and when you did it last year and basing your decisions for this year on that is a complete and utter waste of time. Things are starting to get a little bit serious out here, actually, from the point of view of crops starting to show just how thirsty they are. We only had 17 mil of rain in January, 66 in February, 39 in March, and just 8 mil so far in April. And that means that for the first 15 weeks of 2022, from January the 1st to April the 17th, that's just 132 millire- millimetres of rain. That's just only just over five inches. And you can add to that the increasing day temperatures into the high teens and even 20 the latter part of this week filicron well in charge then so the leaves are emerging crops looking to put on some rapid spring growth at this time of year but because their roots especially in the case of cereals need to be sat in moisture in order to enable them to assimilate and take up the nutrients from the soil we're seeing a little bit of chlorosis and nutrient stress out there. Add to that the ambient ranges of 18 or 19 degrees in a day, with Wednesday into Thursday, for example, one degree overnight and a frost to 19 degrees in the day. And that 18 degree C range they're really starting to stress out these crops too. A few stressy looking wheat crops around as you drive about especially where they've been sat with their roots in wet soils all through the winter now I know how that sounds we do need rain but it was the wrong rain at the wrong time just when we didn't want it or need it three months ago. We're never happy are we farmers? But the simple fact is that when crops sit in near dormancy through the winter the wet soils that they're sitting in just leach the nitrogen and the sulfur and the other nutrients down the profile, Wet soils can then cause a lack of fibrous root systems on the crops because the plant isn't having to look for any water. And then, as it warms up again in the spring, or where we are now, those plants which sat in water all through the winter and have no fibrous root system struggle to access the nutrition in what has now turned into a relatively dry soil with the nutrition further down the profile. So we do need rain in April to allow these crops to take those nutrients up. You can see which fields are in better nicks soil-wise as you travel around as well. Greener crops are clearly using their nutrition in the soil more efficiently because they've got more fibrous and a better healthy root system. I know that's a little bit simplified, but that pretty much sums it up. This time of year, soil temperatures and day temperatures rise. So when it's dry around the roots or the roots are not in optimal moisture conditions, macronutrients like nitrogen, potassium, phosphorus, sulfur, and micronutrients as well like manganese, zinc, iron, magnesium they become far less accessible that's why in a droughty situation such as we seem to be entering now where we've had less than two inches of rain in the last eight weeks we start to see issues with, for example, magnesium, which is always one of the first nutrients to show up as deficiency. And magnesium, like all the other nutrients, needs moisture in order to get into the plant. It doesn't take much finding magnesium deficiency, incidentally, at the moment, in any cereal crop. The leaf, if you hold it up to the light, shows almost lawnmower stripes running up its length, and that's magnesium deficiency. Very cheap to rectify with bitter salts or something like that. It costs pence to rectify, but it may be compromising other nutrients too. It's that old principle of Liebig's barrel. If you've got one stave of the barrel too short, it doesn't matter whether all the other staves are too long, the fluid is going to pour out of the barrel through that short stave. So nutrition and understanding nutrition and the interactions between nutrients in the soil and the plant is absolutely key. You can spend as much as you want on fungicides and and nitrogen applications, but if one thing is wrong, like magnesium or manganese or zinc or copper, it'll make all your your efforts futile it's not a precise science though as we all know but addressing deficiencies which may seem a very painful one-off apparently recreational trip out with the sprayer could be one of the most worthwhile things you do and always try and identify and treat the problem if you can that can cost pence as I said with something like magnesium rather than blanket bombing the crop with 20 nutrients 19 of which may be a complete waste of time and money we're seeing some plants start to shut down their older leaves in the worst condition soiled in order to rob nutrition away from them you know an inch of rain or even half an inch of rain I think would solve an awful lot of issues for an awful lot of farms at the moment but we get what we get so no point moaning is there so peas and beans then pea and bean weevil about quite a lot of damage out there but just trap and monitor for now and if the crop isn't growing faster than the damage then you may need to step in but in most cases pyrethroids do very little good against pea and bean weevil but plenty against the beneficials which are chomping away on them. So do make sure that you need to spray before you go out with the sprayer. Talk to your advisor. Sugar beet, struggling a little bit to come through at the moment I would say. Struggling because the ambient temperature differences and persistent, odd late frosts at night are starting to catch some of these newly emerging beet plants quite hard. It was blowing on the heath on Monday afternoon. As ever take care if you're putting herbicides onto cotyledon beet in particular if there are frosts about or if it's been blowing. It's better to leave it a few days in those situations. The pre are working okay though, so prioritise those fields where no pre went on but skylarks, rabbits, mice, hares deer are causing me far more issues than weeds are at the moment, which are coming through very slowly. Winter barley, moving quickly as I said last week, just check the growth stage of the crop if you've got PGRs in the mixture, but leaf three starting to come out and warm days on winter wheat means that's happening more quickly. Really for me, leaf three is only out in my september and early october drilling leaf three of course the target for the t1 fungicide so by the middle to the end of next week if the temperatures stay like this be eyes open and wide awake spring wheat spring barley moving quite well too bydv control with pyrethroids is rarely successful in spring cereals very low risk if they were drilled and up in march so unless you're finding more aphids than you are predators i would say stay out so happy easter everybody and let's see what the next seven days bring
2: Thanks as ever, Sean. You can follow Sean on Twitter at SAS Agronomy.
0: And we'll have more next week. The Farming Programme with our steel stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate Gransom.
1: For all your steel needs, call their friendly
0: experts.
2: Good rapeseed establishment is key to growing a high-yield crop. A novel way of treating the seed prior to planting may help. To tell us about it, Openfield's arable technical manager, Duncan Durno. Firstly, for those not in the know, Duncan, what is priming?
3: So the priming technique is relatively old and proven technology, Steve. And Basically, the seed is pre-germed, or the germination process is started by adding water and heat units to the seed start that germination process and it is then stopped and held when all seeds are at the exact point where they need to be.
2: How long does that process take?
3: It's over a sort of four to five day period so it's a slow, slow process.
2: Okay, and what are the advantages of this? Because this is used in other crops, isn't it, already? Um, Things like carrots and onions and so on. What are the advantages in terms of an oilseed rape crop?
3: Well, the reason we were interested in it for our customers and members was Basically, exactly as you've said, it's used in a lot of high-value crops, and mainly for evenness of germination in root crops, where uniformity of the end product is required. And of course, the first part of that process is even germination of all those plants at the same time, so they're all growing at a very in a uniform manner.
2: One of the things I've seen is that it's beneficial for this uh, process to be applied in dry conditions.
3: Yes, I mean, you, you you wouldn't want to use it and push it into, you know, totally dry seed beds because uh, it's not going to grow the same as anything else. But in, in, in certain seed beds where there's enough moisture to start the process anyway, it does require, one, less heat units and two, slightly less moisture to finish off that germination process because it's already had some of that.
6: Given
2: the weather that we can frequently have in Lincolnshire, what if it, if the conditions are wet? Is there going to be any detriment to, to prime seed going in?
3: No, I'm sure there's absolutely no detriment to it at all. And If you think about it, the value of seed that the crops that it is widely used on across the world, I'm confident that that's the case because you wouldn't be dressing... Like you say, parsnip or carrot seed, with the value that is, if there's going to be any detriment to that seed
2: whatsoever. Okay, and given that this process has had to have been applied before the seed goes in the ground, is there any difference in terms of cost of the seed?
3: There will be a slight cost, but not, I wouldn't say prohibitively so. Okay. It's, a, it's a very slight increase in cost as you would expect, yeah, to be yeah,
2: fair. Yeah, that's fair enough. But then hopefully if the uh, the yield is more consistent and it doesn't get attacked by flea exactly, beetles yeah, along yeah, the way. Yeah, if, you,
3: if, you, if you look at the costs, uh, all, all the benefits of establishing all seed rape crop where the crop value is at the moment compared to not establishing a good crop, it would be very cost-effective, I would say.
2: That's great. Duncan Dorno, Openfield Arable Technical Manager, thanks for joining us on the farming programme and explaining that.
3: Thank you, Steve. No problem at all.
2: Supermarket giant Morrisons is recruiting additional beef finishers for its dairy beef scheme. Good morning to livestock buyer Jessica Tomley. Would you tell us a little bit about it, please, Jessica?
7: It's a great scheme because we actually finance a cast for farmers, so you'd place in your order um, three months in advance when you want them. We work with Buesla, who rear them for us, and once they're at the right age and right weight, we place them on a, on a finishing unit.
2: And any particular breeds?
7: They're all mainly continentals, mostly... Um, blue calves however we do run a short horn scheme at woodheads so we do try and find as many short horns as well to go in the scheme
2: you mentioned weights what sort of weight are we talking about
7: so weights when they uh, can go on to a finishing unit are average 140 kilos and like i said they're four or five months old and then we ask when they come into slaughter at the moment our average dead weight is 340 kilos
2: if a farmer's interested in this scheme what's required from them do they need qualifications do they need to put an investment in uh, what are you after from the farmer
7: so before we take on any new finishes obviously we like to come and visit them have an understanding of what they're currently doing for the business show that they kind of understand you know how you finish continental cattle. i guess it's really about getting to feel that farmer building that relationship making sure they're aware of the responsibilities when it comes to animal welfare, nutrition, housing, just to make sure they're doing the best job they can do and fitting our requirement for stock.
2: Where could we find out more information, Jessica?
7: Your best um, opportunity to find out more information is to ring uh, the livestock office um, and ask myself, Jessica Tomley or Alex Nutter, and we would be in contact um, and hopefully arrange a visit to come out and meet them.
2: OK, and the number for that?
7: 1218 seven two nine one five
2: zero lovely jessica tomley uh, morrison's livestock buyer working at woodheads thanks for joining us on the farming program this morning thank you very much let's see how the markets have performed this week firstly livestock from louth livestock market auctioneer oliver chapman morning oliver
6: Good morning, Steve. Another weekly roundup from here at Louth for Monday, the 11th of April. Starting with the Prime Cattle, which sees Prime Heifers sell to a top of 267 pence per kilo for J.C. Scoli of Bournemouth and gross £1,546 for J.S. Brooks of Strubby. Prime Bulls topped at 220 pence per kilo and gross £1,404 for P. Doxy of Humberston. Moving on to the Sheep and starting with the Prime Lambs. New Season Lambs saw an SQQ of 324.35 pence per kilo with a top of 366 pence per kilo for H Ward Farming Limited of Apley and a top pounds per head of 139 pounds for TB French of Wisbeach and H Ward Farming Limited of Apley. Moving on to the Prime Hogs and more than expected saw an SQQ average of 251.39 pence per kilo with plenty of weight on offer. A top saw W.R. Hanson and Son of Coningsby top at 311 pence per kilo, while M Rath of Torxey Lock topped at 140 pounds per head. On to the cool ewes and a tremendous show from start to finish or a fantastic trade with an all-in average of 135 pounds and 79 pence. A top this week came for H. Ward Farming Limited of Appley at 200 pounds per head with many more ewes selling between the 180 to 200 pounds per head mark a quick reminder that tomorrow monday the 18th of april 2022 is our third special sale of breeding and store cattle with the current entry of five breeding bulls eight cows and calves two bullying heifers five in-calf cows and heifers and 40 plus store cattle eight cool cows seven otm heifers and eight clean cattle alongside the regular weekly market of prime and cool sheep also store cattle and breeding cattle sale will start at 12.30. A huge thank you to everyone that's been in supported this week, both buyers and vendors. And to discuss any marketing options, please do not hesitate to contact me. This is Oliver Chapman for Masons and Louth Market, and thank you.
2: And the grain
8: markets open fields Kit Dickinson. Morning, Kit. Good morning, Steve, and happy Easter. This week, prices continued upwards as the Ukraine braced itself for a fresh assault by the Russian military, despite their withdrawal from the west around the capital of Kiev. Putin announced that peace talks had come to a dead end making it unlikely that hostilities will cease anytime soon. It is now thought that the Russia is gearing up for a fresh assault on the south and the east possibly creating a land corridor to the Ukrainian Black Sea ports including Odessa whilst grabbing arable land along the way. Analysts are attempting to forecast the reduction of the Ukrainian plantings, production prospects and export potential, which can only be speculated upon at the moment, given the varying reports of disruption to the infrastructure, port facilities, fuel supplies, machinery parts and, indeed, manpower. Politics will continue to play a part, but it is also weather that will dictate price direction, with no room for production shortfalls, particularly in the major exporting countries, in an already extremely finely balanced market. So looking at barley this week, all commodities moved up as Putin commented that peace talks had come to a dead end. For malting barley, all this had done is squeeze the malting premium further to single figures over feed barley, as there is no additional demand for UK molsters. There is still a technical premium for old crop malting barley over new crop, but end users are concerned about buying more old crop at a £25 premium to new in case they don't really need it. New crop malting barley remains linked with the futures, so has ticked up higher this week. Spring and winter plantings continue to progress with some rain and sun in most areas. The war premium included in the new crop prices will be under threat when hostilities cease. Looking at prices this week then for wheat April 290 to 297, May 302 to 314, July 315 to 325. November new crop 280 to 288. Milling wheat premiums are currently 30 to 35 pounds depending on area and destination. Barley for April and May 300 to 310. July 252 to 260. November 265 to 273. For malting barley premiums, please speak to your open field farm business manager. And lastly, oil seed rate for May 820 to 825. July 665 to 672, and November 672 to 678. Many
2: thanks as ever, Kit and Oliver. Before we check the weather for the week ahead, of course it's Easter Sunday today, so I asked Agricultural Chaplain Canon Alan Robson to pop in and say a few words for Easter for us.
0: I've had the privilege of conducting the funeral. Sounds odd, but the funeral of two great Lincolnshire farmers, one who originated from Scotland and the other one from Shropshire, but they contributed to the Lincolnshire landscape. At both of their services, we read a bit from Ecclesiastes, and it has that phrase, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under the sun, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Right throughout that little piece, we have these pivot points, turning points, And what a year this has been for turning points, whether it's been in the chicken industry and avian flu or the pig industry and all the labor supply issues there, or even the arable industry with rocketing prices. The question is, are these events, these turning points, are they going to create a mess for you or a miracle? You know, I'm sure the disciples asked the question, where do we go from here? how can we build resilience find faith in ourselves as well as in our businesses going forward more than just survive but thrive to develop a long-range plan what difference are we going to make how's our businesses going to really face all the challenges of the next few years there's a wonderful quote indecision brings its own delays and days lost lamenting all lost days are you in earnest seize this very minute what you can do or dream you can begin it boldness has genius power and magic in it i guess the main message of ecclesiastes let's not fritter away the time but make the most of the turning points
2: alan thank you and happy easter the farming program five day forecast A typical mixed spring week with some well-needed rain forecast. Cloudy and mostly dry today, a light southerly and highs around 16, 17 Celsius. The wind's light and variable all week. Light rain's expected to start the week, turning colder Tuesday with highs in single figures. Drier, brighter and a bit warmer midweek. The sunshine's back later in the week and we can expect temperatures back into the mid-teens. Next week, we'll look back at the recent direct drill day that many attended in Lincolnshire and see how lambings go in this season. I'm Steve Orchard. Until then, happy Easter and have a great week.
0: The Farming Programme, with our equipped steel stockholders with Umbrook Industrial Estate Grantham, supplying the region for over 40 years.